Welcome to Marquette Missionary Church. Here is today's message. Well, we are going to jump into our sermon series that we have been in for the last several weeks called The Kingdom of Heaven. We have been looking at what is the kingdom of heaven, mainly out of the book of Matthew here. And we need to always understand that when Jesus came, Jesus ushered in a new kingdom, a kingdom that's not of this world. It's a kingdom that when we come and place our faith in Jesus Christ, we are now entering into his kingdom. It's not a realm, it's not, a, it's not in the physical, but what we are, are ultimately doing is that we are coming underneath Jesus's authority. He is king, he is in charge, and when we believe in him, we, we are saying, Jesus, you are now in charge of my life, and I want to walk and live in your kingdom and in your ways. And we have been uh, looking at this, and last, the last two weeks, we have been camping out in Matthew 5. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we looked at how can we be people that are loving our enemies and praying for them. And last week, we looked at how important relationships are, how much emphasis God puts on the relationships between one another here. We looked at Matthew 5, 21 through 22, and I just want to reread this here. And Jesus says, you've heard it was said of those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. Verse 22, but I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. And whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says you fool will be liable to hell to the hell of fire. And Jesus says this because he, he is, is telling his people, telling the people who want to live in God's kingdom, it is so important about the relationships here, how we treat one another. And Jesus actually warns them after this, saying, listen, if you and your brother are not doing well, if he's got something against you, you need to go and make it right before you even come and worship me. Jesus says, if you're offering your gift at the altar, and remember that somebody has something against you, leave your gift. Basically saying, the relationships here are so important. They're so vital, and they affect our relationship there. And God cares so much about how we are with one another that if you're going to come and worship him, if you're going to come and bring a gift or an offering to him, and you and your brother are not doing well, he says, leave. Go. Make it right. Do what you can do to make it right. Well, we're going to continue to be looking at the kingdom of heaven today, and we are, are going to continue to be camping out in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And the reason why we are camping out in these verses, or I should say in these chapters, this is the Sermon on the Mount. But if you remember in Matthew chapter 4, verse 23, we get a summary of this. It says this. It says, and he, Jesus, went through throughout all of Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. The teachings in Matthews 5, 6, and 7 are teachings about God's kingdom, teaching about how God's kingdom operates and how we as followers of him, we who, who are submitting to his kingdom and his rule, ought to live as well. So today we are going to be looking at Matthew chapter 6, and I'm going to invite you to be standing with me this morning, and we are going to look at Matthew 6, 
1 through 6, and then 6, 6, 16 through 18. And I will explain why we are skipping some verses here today. Well, Matthew 6, verse 1, it says this. It says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Verse 2, Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Verse 5, and when you pray, do not pray, or, or you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Jump down to verse 16. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your feet, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but your, your father but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Let me pray. Father God, we thank you, Lord. Lord, as we come to you today, as we look to your word, I ask, Lord, for you to come and for you to minister to us. Lord, challenge us, encourage us. And Father, may your Holy Spirit be working in our hearts and minds this morning. God, we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys may be seated here. The reason why I skipped several verses is because Jesus is about to get into how prayer should be looking like and when you pray, what you should be praying. But I, I, I skipped those because Jesus here is hitting on three major pillars of the Jewish culture and of the religious community. And these three pillars are giving to the needy, Prayer and fasting. At the time Jesus speaks these words, these are pillars within Jewish piety, meaning like how they seen people to be righteous and to be looking good. These three areas were kind of the pillars of who they were. And Jesus hits on these three pillars here. And Jesus is about to be teaching the people of the kingdom how God desires for them to be living. And Jesus starts off by saying this in verse 1. He says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Jesus is warning his listeners here very, very simply by saying, Listen, be, be aware of what you are doing and why you are doing it here. Be aware of what you are doing, and just watch out that you're not doing something 
just to be seen by someone else. Now, see, in their culture at the time, the religious people, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, all of the religious people, this was the heart of their issue. This was their biggest struggle within their life, was this idea of practicing righteousness so that others may see him. Well, in verse 2, Jesus is about to go, go through and give this warning and kind of give a call to what the real challenge is. In verse 2, he says this, But when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. So in my research this past week, and from what I've learned about these verses from, from just many, many years, I have heard many, many sermons on this one verse kind of explaining what was happening at the time. I have heard pastors and speakers talk about how at the time of Jesus, when there was a giving offering, that there would be a horn that would be sound, that there would be a trumpet blown and people would then see and be able to show how great they were giving and how much they were giving so that people would really hear and know why and how much they were giving. And some people have even talked about how, how like at this time of Jesus that there was this big horn and when they would drop the money into the horn, it would make a loud noise. And the more you gave, the louder it sounded. Now, I bring this up because maybe you were kind of like, like me and, and have heard teachings on this before, but within my research and within looking at Jew, Jewish culture, I can't find any of that to be true. I can't find anything to where they had a horn being blown or the offering went, went into a, a specific horn. I just bring that up because I know if I myself had kind of heard this, I figured maybe some of you in this room had heard it as well. If you had never heard that, that's fine. Just ignore the last 30 seconds, okay? <laughs> but it's interesting here because Jesus uses a word here. And he uses this word three times throughout this teaching here when he is hitting on giving to the needy in prayer and fasting. And this word is the he, when he says, do not be like these hypocrites. Now this word back then, especially uh, in first century Greek, this word was used to describe an actor. A person who would put on a show. The word was often used for people who would play roles and maybe see the world as their stage. A hypocrite was just someone who was an actor. They were putting on a show. They were trying to show people something. Another interesting uh, definition at this time was a person who would put on this false appearance of goodness, but inside they were actually evil. So they had this idea that they would put on this persona that I'm good, but on the inside, they were evil. Jesus actually uses this same word out of Matthew 22 when he was calling out the evil leaders when they were questioning him about paying taxes. Now, a third kind of hypocrite at this time was probably the worst kind of hypocrite. It wasn't just an actor putting on a show, and it wasn't just someone who was trying to put on the appearance of being good, but on the inside, they're actually evil. These people 
were the people that deceived themselves into believing that they were acting in best interest of God and also deceiving onlookers. Basically saying they truly believed that what they were doing, the show that they were putting on, all of the goodness that they wanted the world to see, that it was actually beneficial to the people around them, that, that God was so pleased with this. And it's interesting here because Jesus uses this word three times. He says, listen, don't be like the hypocrites. Don't be like these people that are acting, that are putting on a show, that are trying to perceive and let the world think that they're actually really, really good people. He says, don't be like them, for they have already received their reward. See, the actors at the time, these hypocrites, they wanted people to see how good they were. They would, you know, Jesus kind of calls them out, like, you know, like when you pray, don't go, you know, out onto the street corners, and when you fast, don't, you know, don't, don't try to show the world all of your good deeds. And he's saying this because the people at the time, they really, it was like the heart of the religious people back then, they wanted so desperately for the world around them to see them as good. They wanted people to look at them and say, that's a good person. Man, look at, look at, look at how good our priest is. He's out there praying. He's out there talking about his giving when he's fasting. Oh, I know when this guy's fasting because I can see it. And they wanted to put on this show, put on this, this persona that look at how good I am. And Jesus warns them, they will receive their reward in full. And their reward was the praise of man. They wanted mankind to praise them. They wanted the people around them, the people within their culture, to look at them and think, they are really good people. That was what they were striving for. Their entire goal was for mankind to give them praise. To, to basically just say, you know what, you're doing such a good job. I'm so proud of you. And Jesus is going to get to the very heart of the issue here. It's interesting how Jesus, throughout all of this, he hits on these three areas. And I said this earlier on, that these were kind of pillars at the time. Jesus is going to go right to the heart of their culture, right to the heart of the religious people. And he is going to drive home their, their three areas that they loved and adored so much. Now, I would point out here that Jesus never says none of these things are bad. Giving to the needy. It's a good thing. Praying. Great. Fasting. It's great. He never says that these things are bad, but the motivation behind them. What is their motivation? Now, like I said back then, their motivation for their religious activities was to be praised by others. And Jesus, if you look at these verses here, and I don't know if you've ever read Matthew 6, it's interesting because Jesus uses like the same wording for all three of these. Like, he calls them out. He says, don't be a hypocrite. You know, they're just looking for their reward. And then he challenges them, do this in secret for your heavenly Father knows. But look at verse 2. He says this. He says, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets. Verse 5, and when you pray, you must not be like 
The hypocrites. In verse 16, when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites. Like I said, Jesus is really trying to get to the heart of the issue. And this is the same thing that we have today. The heart of the issue is why are you doing what you are doing? Why do you pray? Why do you fast? Why do you give? Why do you do righteous deeds? Their, their, their struggle back then is not, is not a whole lot of different than our struggle today. If, if we really just kind of like think about this here. Like, they wanted mankind to like them. They wanted people in their culture to give them praise. To think that they're great people. And the heart of it is, where is our motivation? Why do we do these things? Why do we do certain deeds? Do we kind of do them so that people see us? Are we hoping someone sees us? Do we want to be looking righteous? But the challenge here is like, what's the heart at? It's not about whether or not we are doing good deeds and doing righteous things and praying and fasting and giving. It's not about if we are doing that. It's about when you do it. When you are serving Christ. Now, within our culture today, we don't really value these things. I mean, I, I mean I, I'm just going like, to say, like, if you, if you go down, downtown on the corner of 3rd and Washington and you're trying to let everyone know that you're fasting, nobody cares, right? I mean, like, it's not like people are going to be driving by and be like, man, that guy's face is looking really gloomy today. I wonder if he's fasting. He probably is. He's probably just a really, really good guy. You know, I mean, like, it's just, these, these examples here don't necessarily play out within our lives. Now, now we, we do kind of like people that are, you know, given to the needy, but, I mean, like, culturally, culturally, our life, just like our culture in itself, does not praise these things. But our culture does praise other things. And within church culture, we do kind of place, place, like, higher value on certain things. Uh, I had this one example in my head, and, and I've been kind of mauling on it because I feel like if I share this example, I'm going to get in a lot of trouble. So I'm, I'm, I'm not entirely sure if I want to share it, so I'm, I'm kind of feeling out. Frank, Frank says no, or was that a yes, Frank? Maybe I will. So <laughs> within, I'm blaming this one on Frank. Thank you, Frank. Appreciate that. Within our culture, our culture has such a level of self-righteousness that has always been there. I mean, it's, it's just kind of within our culture. If you talk to certain people of the world or around us, people, people desire to be loved and to be patted on the back for their lifestyle. Most people want to show the world their good works. Nobody on Facebook or Instagram or anything like that is revealing to the world all of their nastiness. Right? Like, hey, you, yeah, I just got done fighting with my wife. She doesn't like me right now. I'm just going to let everyone know I was a jerk. Like, like, like nobody, nobody posts stuff like that. We all want to have this persona of righteousness. In one area that I think I've kind of I've seen, so, so many, many years ago, um, Caitlin and I, we got a dog. And those of you who are close to me and kind of know me, you kind of know that I kind of got like a love-hate relationship with like dogs. I love dogs. I wish I had a dog. I like the convenience of a dog. I'm not going to lie. Like when I used to come home from work and that dog is at that back door, 
like so excited to like see you. It's a great feeling, right? But I also kind of have like a hate relationship with dogs because I'm a biker and dogs chase me on the trail and they're not always nice to me. Like so, so I kind of have this hate, hate and love relationship there. Well, when we got our dog, we decided that we really wanted a Boston Terrier. And if you didn't know what these dogs are, they're black and white, and they got this, you know, pushed-in face, and they're just cute little dogs. We kind of wanted to, you know, spend the money and get a Boston Terrier. Well, something that I kind of noticed culturally was that the people around us, and when we would meet other dog people, we weren't good enough dog people. That's basically what I've kind of found out, because when I would take my dog for a walk, well, I would come across other people, and we'd have this conversation about the dog. Yeah, you know, he's a Boston Terrier, and, you know, and then they would tell us my, their story about their dog. And we bought a purebred, which culturally is like, it's acceptable, but it's not the most righteous thing to do if you're going to get a dog. If you're going to get a dog, you should really get a rescue dog. And I, I started to, like, pick up on this. Like, so like, you know, like, and I started feeling guilty that we bought a purebred, and we're not the righteous people. And we kind of would come across people, and I'm like, yeah, you know, it's Boston Terrier. And they're like, well, yeah, we, we, we rescued a dog. And I started thinking about that, and I'm like, did you really rescue a dog? Like, say, like, did you kick in, like, a burning building and run in there and pick up the dog and bring it out? I mean, like, say, like, were you going to dog fighting matches, and then, like, you went in there and, like, saved the dog? You didn't really save a dog. Let's just, like, like, and if you've got a rescue dog, this is why I wasn't sure if I wanted to be sharing this one. Can we just be honest with ourselves? We wanted a dog. We love dogs. You know, like, like we, we didn't do some righteous deed by rescuing this dog because we didn't rescue it. Someone else did. We just went down to the pound and picked out the first one that came and licked us, you know? But I bring this up because within our culture, we have this idea of righteousness. This idea that like, oh, you know, people want to put on this persona of like, I'm so much better than you because I'm doing this. And within church culture, we can, we're not exempt from this. We're not exempt from, from, from just this idea of having self-righteousness. That's the heart that Jesus is getting at here, is that there are people that they have this level of self-righteousness and they want everyone else to know how righteous they are, how great they are. And we who are following Christ, who are living in God's kingdom, we have to be aware of this. We have to be on guard against this within our own lives. Why do we do certain things? What is our motivation for serving? What is our motivation for working at the homeless shelter? What is our motivation for the righteousness that we do. Jesus doesn't tell them not to do it. The warning is, and the thing is, is what's going on inside of us? What's going on in our hearts and minds? And we have to be on guard, Jesus says. He says, listen, just, you, you need to check what's happening within you. You need to kind of be aware of your, of your own motivation. You need to like, why are you doing this? Are you going on a mission trip so people think that you're great? You know? Or are you doing it out of the pure love that you have for your king? Because we're living in his kingdom. We're called to live for him and for him alone. We're ultimately, we are called to live for an audience 
of one, and it's him. And Jesus specifically says this three times, over and over. Don't be like those hypocrites. Their reward, they already have it. Men have praised them. Men think that they're great. But you, you who are in my kingdom, you who are following me, I want you to live in secret. I don't want you to, to be doing something so that, so that somebody sees you. People will see you. I will, I will like tell you this. Like, as you follow Christ, people will see your good works. But why are we doing them? And Jesus says, do them in secret. When you give, don't make a big deal about your giving to the needy. Just do it. You don't have to let people know and, you know, type it up online. Just give. When you pray, people don't need to know. You know, and, and a lot of people struggle with, like, say, like, at, like, say, like, restaurants, right? Like, I don't, I don't know if you've ever felt, like, this, this awkwardness, like, okay, we're, like, Christians, we pray at dinner. When you go out, like, what do you do? Is this verse warning me, like, not to pray at restaurants? It's not warning you not to pray, but why? Are you praying so that maybe your waitress sees you? Or do you just want to give honor and glory to God and give thanks to him? And Jesus clearly warns us, saying, listen, don't do this. But do what is in secret because guess what? The king, your heavenly father, he sees you. He knows you. He sees everything that you do. Every righteous deed that you do, he sees you. And he will reward you. And it's this ultimate battle. Do I want to please mankind and, and have man think I'm great? Or do I want my heavenly father who sees all. He sees everything that you do. He sees all of your prayers. He sees all of your giving. He sees all of your sacrifice. Are we living so that he is happy with us? That he is pleased? Mankind may never see your good deeds, but your heavenly father, Jesus says this, and he gives us this guarantee three times. Your heavenly father sees what is done in secret, and he will reward you. And the challenge for us today, church, is to really just be like, God, I, I want to know my motivation. I don't want to be this actor. I don't want to be putting on a show. I don't, want, I don't want my work colleagues and my people online and family members just to think I'm righteous. God, I want to be righteous before you. I want to live a life that's holy and honorable to you. And if nobody sees it, God, you see it. Heavenly Father, you see all that I'm doing. And Lord, I, I'm trusting you, Lord. I, I can't physically see this reward that you have for me. But Lord, I know that one day when I stand before you, you will reward me generously and greatly because that's how good you are. And it's about living for him. And not living for the world to see us. And that's, that was the, the challenge back then. And church, this is our challenge today, is that we always need to like, check our motivation and figure out, okay, God, like, what's going on? Because I will say this, sin it deceives us. It's so easy for us to get deceived in our own right, but it's about saying, God, I, I want to honor you, and I want to be living for you and for, your, for you alone. And church family, that's, that's our challenge this morning. That's, that's what the word of God was challenging them back then. And it's challenging us today that those who are in his kingdom, in and following him, why? 
Why do we do this? And the ultimate is we, we need to be doing this. All of our righteousness, all of our good deeds, all of our service, when we do it, know that your heavenly Father is watching. He sees it. He sees the sacrifice and he sees every prayer and he hears them. And we should be saying, God, I, I just want to just live for you and for you alone. I'm going to ask you to, to stand and I, I want to pray for you. And the worship team is going to come back up and then we're going to pray over offering at the very end. But I'm going to invite the worship team up and I'm going to pray for us. Father God, Lord, we desire as your people those who want to live in your ways and live for your kingdom. God, I pray, Lord, that we would be people that are living for you and for you alone. Lord, we know that this world will see our good deeds, but Father, our motivation is not to be pleased by man, but God, for you to be pleased with your kids. God, I give you praise today, Lord. Help us to, to, uh, to live this out this week. Help us to be aware of our own motivation, our own heart, our own desires. And Father, we just give you praise this morning, Lord. God, I thank you that one day we will be with you. Lord, you will see and you will judge all. Father, help us to be people that, that solely and simply live for you and for you alone. God, I give you praise now in Jesus' name. Amen.